Hello everybody, welcome or welcome back to BNB Anime. I am Blue, I am here with Brad. We are going to be discussing The Given Movie, but before we get into that, we've had some technical difficulties, so try and bear with us today. But let's talk about our weeks. How have you been, Brad? Brad is good. At this point, your boy is burnout. I have vacation after this coming week, so I'm just, I'm trying to get through it. We like vacation? I love vacation. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I really have no complaints. It's been fun. I've been gaming a lot more here recently, so that's good. That is good. The weather's warming up, so more tennis. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everything's hunky-dory. How are you? Oh, uh, so much has happened this week for me. Uh, <laughs> I went snowboarding, <laughs> which was fun, but I forgot Ooh. to wear my wrist brace, which was not so fun. Boo, and... <laughs> bad. We've talked about this. You bad. You banned. <laughs> I know. I know. I have my MRI for my wrist, finally, at the end of this month. I have had a very long wait, and I completely understand why. I mean, with everything with the virus and just regular hospital waits and the fact that mine is my wrist and not like an internal organ or something, you know, <laughs> I definitely don't take priority, but it is nice to be like, Okay, yeah, finally going to have this MRI and hopefully going to get some answers to an injury that I've had since I was 15 years old. Uh, so yeah, I've been, I had some really bad wrist pain this week. I'm going snowboarding again on Monday, so I need to make sure that I wear my brace then. Am I going to have to message you and remind you to wear your damn brace? You might have to. You might have to. Uh, fine. Um, <laughs> I'll message you tomorrow and figure out what time you're leaving. My God. Early. I'm leaving early, <laughs> early, because we, we get there. The slopes actually close at 4 p.m., because by the time... Because the slopes that we go to don't have, like, night lights on them. And in the mountains, like, the sun goes down way earlier than even anywhere else, because mm -hmm. <laughs> obviously the mountains hide it, so sunsets yeah. a lot earlier. So... The the slopes close at four, so we have to go pretty early if we want like a good day's worth, because of mm -hmm. course we're not going to be there all evening, you know? Yeah. But yeah, other than that, uh, my golden retriever, not Tilly, my older golden retriever, Cedar, has had um, a bit of a tough week. She is 12 years old. She's going to be 13 on Canada Day, which is July 1st, for those of you who don't know. And she is a rescue. She's had a lot of health problems her whole life. But uh, this past week, she has lost a lot of mobility in her back legs due to some spinal damage. So she has been kind of slipping and sliding all over the floors. And yeah, life is going to look pretty different for her um, from now on. It's just, it was one of those things where it's like, she always had weak hips. Golden Retrievers are like known for having weak hips. And especially considering that she was malnourished as a puppy and had, you know, bad spinal damage from very, very young. It was just one of those things that with her age and was going to happen at some point, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, her, her mobility in her back legs is gone, but she's not in any pain or anything because we actually believe that it's more on the numbness side of things. So she's, she's on the like complete no pain side of things as opposed to the painful, which is good. We always, well, not good, but like better, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've been looking at those red wagons that you can get to like pull, you know? Mm -hmm. um, because obviously she wants to go on walks and we have Tilly as well. And Tilly has just turned two this spring. And so we've got like one crazy energetic dog and, and one that wants to be, but obviously just can't. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna look into getting one of those red wagons. So when she gets tired 
and it, it's tap out time, she can still be outside and enjoy the walks and I hikes. I just and thought stuff. of the most adorable thing ever. What? Put Bean in a harness and let Bean <laughs> pull cedar. That would be really funny. That is adorable. <laughs> Tilly's still smaller than Cedar. She's still smaller. She's always going to be smaller. She's We call her a half mm-hmm. pint golden mm-hmm. because she's tiny. And it's not like she was a, a runt or anything. She's just small. Her um, sister from the same litter is just as small as she is. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're just really, really small. Tilly comes up to about my knees. Mm-hmm. And for a golden retriever, that's very, very small. Most golden retrievers are, like, they're, they're considered medium-sized dogs, but they're usually medium to large dogs, whereas mm-hmm. Tilly is is fully medium, almost on the medium to borderline small dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, all, all the hugs and love for Cedar. Mm-hmm. All the hugs and love. Yeah, we were joking with the vets that we should just move in. <laughs> <laughs> Our vets are great. They've been our vets for, um, well, since we got dogs. So for the past, like, 12 years, they've mm-hmm. they've been our vets. And, um, yeah, they helped us all through with Leo as well, because obviously he passed away this summer. Um, mm-hmm. But he was 17 when he passed, and so he had a, he had a good long life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're great, though. And, and this last visit with Cedar, they were doing, like, a, an assessment, because to be able to know for sure that it's spinal damage, because the two considerations are spinal damage and a stroke. Um, mm-hmm. But in the vet's professional opinion, he thinks that it's unlikely that it's a stroke due to Cedar's history. Mm-hmm. But obviously you have to get, like, scans and stuff for that to happen. And even if they did those, the veterinary practices just aren't able to even do anything about it. So they might be able to tell you this is what it is, but they still wouldn't be able to do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it costs like thousands of dollars to get those scans. So he just was like doing an assessment for her and watching her and, and everything like that. So she spent like the morning at the vets so he could basically play with her for the morning. <laughs> uh, and then they come out, right? And we're going to go pay the bill for this for this vet bill and, and with the blood tests and everything that they had. And they go, oh, um, it's $3 with the credit on your account. And we have no credit on our account. So it was just one of those, it, like, we know that we have no credit on our account. They don't do credit at the vets. That was just a, yeah, you've been our clients for 12 years. You have three dogs. Well, had three dogs with us. We're not charging you for this. <laughs> And it was I mean, so sweet. Just like one of those small town things, you know, yeah. everybody knows everyone and y'all have taken care of them. So obviously something like that, then it's always a nice gesture whenever they take care of you back. Oh, 100%. Like we've been with that vet since <clears throat> it was just the one veterinarian who worked at the practice. And now there's three. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Man. it's it. we've been with them a long time. Well, we got a dog as soon as we emigrated. You know, it was one of those things that was like, as soon as we emigrate and we move into a house, we're going to get a dog because that's what we couldn't have in the UK that we really wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. But like with space and finances and, and all this kind of stuff, it just wasn't feasible in the UK. So, but it was like a family dream of ours to have dogs, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as soon as we came, we were like, okay, fresh off the boat, just got a house, let's get dogs. I mean, they've watched me grow up, that vet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just nice small town vibes. Well, that is that is definitely... Very nice of them. Mm-hmm. Shout out to vets. Yeah. We love vets. Of course, they take care of all of our little beans. All of the beans. They do. They're great. Yes. 
and farm animals around here. My vets are amazing. <laughs> they don't just take, they care, take care of, like, of everything. Yeah, horses, buffalo, cows, bison, whatever it is, goats, donkeys, mules. That's some that's some like extra versatility, especially with like buffalo. Yeah, well they they'll do whatever comes into the door. So if there's a moose that got hit on the side of the road, like whatever it is, they're vets in the middle of nowhere. So wait, excuse me, you can get a buffalo through the fucking door. <laughs> how big are those doors? It's the and how big are buffalo? I've never seen a buffalo in person, but they're always portrayed as these massive animals. So how the fuck? I don't. I. I, I don't, I said buffalo and I don't even know. I said buffalo, I don't know. I was about to say, it, how, why, what? what? I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like those vets do way more than I give them credit for. That's, Shout that out. was my point. I was exaggerating a tad, but you know. Shout out to Blue's vets that take care of buffalo. <laughs> they, they take care of buffalo, camels, elephants, giraffes, sharks, the whole lot, you know? I mean, I'm surprised sharks didn't come out first, considering they're your favorite animal. <laughs> they are my favorite animal, but it's true. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. That's that's how my week's been, anyways. Well, shall we shall we get into a little bit of news? I would love to hear the news. Well, before we get into the news, I do have a very important thing to plug right off the bat, because I was instructed to right before we started recording. Oh. So pre-orders for a certain film in tomorrow, if you want to get your name in the credits. Oh. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Blue, the lovely little voice that accompanies me on this, is a producer on a film that is coming out here in a few weeks. The yeah. Odd Pod movie. Kinda. Yeah. That is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to hear but, somebody say it, you know? I mean, hey, somebody has to boast about your accomplishments for you. <laughs> But yeah, Blue helped produce a film, the Odd Pod Movie, and pre-orders for it are available at oddpodmovie.co.uk. If you pre-order the day that this goes live, you can actually get your name in the credits. However, if you pre-order within the next week or two, you can still get all the bonus goodies, like an autographed poster and all that other fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a super fun little comedy gaming retro vibes type of film uh with lots of puppets it's got lots of nostalgia in it lots of 90s 90s vibes it's a good time i mean from the bits and pieces i've seen from it it looks absolutely phenomenal i am just 100 excited to see it i've actually pre-ordered my own copy Ooh. and let me just say i forget how much pounds are converted over to u.s currency <laughs> so i went to check out and i was like Cool, 25 bucks for all the goodies. I was like, oh, oh God, exchange rates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it's like, I'm excited. So if you want all the extra goodies for all of the the whole package, it's 25 pounds or, and it's free shipping locally to the UK or I think worldwide shipping, it's like five bucks. Mm-hmm. I think it's what PayPal had it at. So total in US dollars is like 44 bucks. I'm rounding up, but it's like 43 and some change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- that includes a lot of different stuff, so I feel like you're definitely getting your money's worth. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Poster, digital, 4K movie download, mm-hmm. MP3, soundtrack. So literally the only thing I was missing was the free 4K digital download. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so well over the extra like $10 worth of goodies for the different versions of the film. So 100%. I highly recommend it. 
Mm-hmm. Because myself and the podcast had like a small little cameo in it. Yes. But from everything else that I have seen, just I, I'm excited to watch it. I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the finished product as well. But now on to actual news. Yeah. So, first piece of news, because I'm just going to go ahead and get the Demon Slayer news out of the way. So Demon Slayer has officially conquered its second English-speaking country. Demon Slayer has opened at number one in New Zealand, owning a grand total of $250,000 after its first week. Nice. That is very nice. I am... That's exciting to see that it's kind of starting to slowly make its way into other countries. Mm -hmm. However, on that note, the US and Canada may be getting Demon Slayer sooner rather than later. Oh. Because it has been brought to my attention that the Violet Evergarden film is coming to select U.S. and Canada theaters on March 30th. Okay. So you can bet your boy is going to go find whatever theater I have to to go watch this and follow COVID protocols just to make sure that I can watch it. My MRI is on March 30th in the big city, so your girl might have to uh, reward herself for... Going to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, if you can swing it, that would actually be cool to be able to cover it that early because God only knows when we're going to be able to actually cover it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there wouldn't be any places around here. And that's my only excuse, really, to go to the big city right now with COVID and everything is that I have to go there anyways. So mm-hmm. I'll look into it. Maybe it'll all work out. Pre-orders begin on March 19th. Mm-hmm. So I'll take a look at it and see, and then I'll let you know, because I'll be sure to check, like, Canadian releases and whatnot as well while I'm at it. Yeah, sounds good. And next piece of news. Nintendo is coming out with a bigger version of the Switch. Oh, okay. So Nintendo has officially announced that they are coming out with a 7-inch screen for the Switch console itself. Mm Mm-hmm. So it will be releasing at 7 inches or 18 centimeters, while the screen itself, the screen resolution is still going to stay at 720p. If you dock it, it will actually display at 4K instead of the standard 1080p. Okay. So that is up from 6.2 inches or 16 centimeters on the normal Switch or 5.5 inches or 14 centimeters on the Switch Lite. Right. No official release date has been announced yet. However, it looks like it's probably going to be around holiday season this year, I guess, to compete with the coming back of the PS5 and the Xbox X. Yeah. Or whatever the hell the Xbox is called. Do you tend to prefer larger or smaller handheld consoles or like phones? So, this is funny, because I'm massive. I'm 6'4". I'm a big dude. Yeah. However, phone-wise, I prefer smaller phones. Mm-hmm. Because as much time as I spend on my phone, whether it's watching anime, messaging people back, checking emails, all that other shit, as much time as I spend on it, at the end of the day, my hand fucking hurts if I have a massive screen trying to, like, type out on it all day. Mm-hmm. So, having a smaller phone definitely helps, at least with the cramping in my thumb. Yeah. But also, I have an iPad. So if I want a bigger screen to watch something on, I'll just go watch it on my iPad. Mm -hmm. However, for the Switch, just for the sole fact that it's going to at least display in 4K whenever it's docked, Mm -hmm. that in and of itself might make it worth it just for the larger screen. We still don't have it confirmed what the cost is going to be. I don't know if they're going to keep the price at the standard 
two ninety nine and then drop the price on the regular Switch, or if they're going to bump it up to three ninety nine. Yeah. For this version, but we also don't have it confirmed whether it's going to have a better processor or anything like that to make the AAA titles like Witcher and whatnot run better. Mm-hmm. So is it worth the money? Who knows? Time will tell. We'll get to that whenever we have a little bit more info on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what about you? Bigger screens, smaller screens? Do you care? Uh, I don't like anything too big. I uh, obviously have a bad wrist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so weight is definitely a factor for me. Yeah, I don't know. My favorite size device that I can think of right now that I've ever had was when I had an iPhone 5S. And I remember loving that size. It fit in my hand really well. But if I'm using a two-hand console like the Switch or, or like my Game Boy Advance or DS or something, Game Boy Advance was probably the most comfortable, even though the screen is so small. But I remember that being really comfortable in my hands. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it just had to do with like how long the handheld was as well. Because mm-hmm. I know the Advance was one of my favorites that I had because the SD was just tiny and square. Mm-hmm. Although I was a fan of the little flip up screen, but also that was kind of a tiny screen. Mm-hmm. So it was, I don't know. I think I preferred the Advance myself. Yeah. But yeah, right now I have the iPhone 12 mini. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even get the regular iPhone. I got the little bitty one. <laughs> yeah, I have a Galaxy S10 and it's big. Well, for me, it's big. Mm-hmm. It's not like huge. But like, um, it doesn't really fit in my pockets as well because I have girl pockets. So, mm-hmm. so it, it, like, yeah, it tends to fall out of things as well. I find that I have to have a pop socket on it to comfortably hold it, you know? Mm-hmm. And you see, that's another thing. I don't want a massive phone where I have to worry about dropping it because I'm already a... I'm... Just, I have no coordination, so I can't hold on to shit. Yeah. So I need something that I can comfortably hold in my hand and not have to worry about it falling. Yeah, I drop everything. I mean, I drop myself all the time, so. I mean, yes, there's a bit at the beginning of this recording of Blue just absolutely thwacking the shit out of her elbow. It's going to get cut out, but it's there. Mm-hmm. I can assure you. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a moment where I absolutely destroyed my elbow. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Yeah. Okay, more news. I want to hear more. Yeah, so we have had three big announcements as far as stuff to come out in the near future. Are you ready? Yes. Shield Hero Season 2 has officially been announced for fall. So October 2021 is when it's going to be beginning. Oh, okay. So that's exciting. I still haven't seen the first season. It's scheduled for like the next month or two. So I'm excited to watch it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, have you, you haven't seen the first season of Shield Hero, right? I have not. And this is going to sound so dumb. However, I started the first episode, I saw that it was an hour long, and I was like, fuck that, I don't have time for that right now. And so I dropped it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I have seen Shield Hero. And it's pretty stereotypical. I feel like there's not a huge amount of it that is crazy revolutionary in the isekai genre. You know, mm-hmm. like when you compare it to something like ReZero, obviously it doesn't have the same story line for it. It's more classic. It's more of a classic isekai than ReZero mm-hmm. is. See, I've heard that. I've heard it was like ReZero with less substance. Yeah. But it's still really good. It like is People good. that love Shield Hero love Shield Hero. There are some traits through it that I have found that some people find problematic and other people find to just be fine. You know, it's just anime. 
I, I know that it gets dark and it deals with some very touchy subjects. Yeah, and I and I can't really remember how I feel about it. It's been a long time since I watched it, so I'm trying to kind of treading a little bit carefully here because I can't really remember a lot about it. But yeah, it does go through some touchy subjects, and I know that there was not necessarily controversy about how they were portrayed, but like certain people were like, mm, not really a fan of it, whereas other people were like, well, it, it's a kind of a stereotypical thing to happen mm-hmm. through anime, so it's fine. And it's, yeah, it's one of those things, it's definitely a conversation piece about it, but I also don't remember it being a huge plotline point in the mm-hmm. story, so I feel like it could be one of those things that is possible to, like, look the other way at, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So I I have no clue what we're getting into. I just know some of my really good friends have watched it and they loved it. Yeah, there's a lot of good points about it. Um, If I can remember correctly, I think the animation style is pretty good. There is, I like the sort of futuristic elements that somehow apply to this medieval world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like one of those kind of things. You know, Wise Man's Grandchild? Mm-hmm. It's kind of got a little bit of those, like, slight bits of future thrown into medieval isekai. So MC remembers the present at certain time type situations? Mm, um, uh, mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess know. we can go on the journey again together. Yeah, it's, been a, long time. it's it. been a long time since I watched it. I feel like I watched it right after it came out, so... Yeah, I think it came out in like 2018, 2019, something like that. Yeah, and my my brain does not withhold information for that long. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I remember enjoying it at the time. So I do have a very exciting piece of news that I know you're going to fall all over. Okay. Hayao Miyazaki's award-winning masterpiece, Spirited Away, will be coming to life on stage by the director of Les Miserables, John Kayard? <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that shit. Anyway, it's going to be an actual on-stage play, so like a Broadway-type show in 2022. Yeah, and that is that is really exciting, because I don't actually know if I've said this on the podcast. I may or may not have. I'm a huge theater nerd. Have I said that on podcast? I feel like I said when I was in high school I did theatre, but like I genuinely did theatre. I was part of a company that was not part of school and like went to New York. I did a workshop on Broadway. I have been to several Broadway plays. I Theatre was a huge passion of mine and it was something that I was looking into as a career option for me at one mm-hmm. point in my life. That was a thing that I did. And then I found modelling and that kind of took a backseat. But yeah. I am a huge, huge, huge theatre nerd, and I'm very excited for what they could possibly do with Spirited Away because of things like The Lion King on Broadway, Mm -hmm. which are amazing with their puppetry and their, like, use of, of props to create this amazing world. And I feel like with Spirited Away, they could capture that and make it even more special because of this magical spirit world element. You know, it's like combining the Wizard of Oz elements of, like, normal world, not normal world. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, I don't know, there's a lot that they could do with it. And Les Miserables is an incredible show. 
that has been around for forever. And yeah, the director of it is obviously incredibly talented. So I, I have high hopes for it and I hope it goes really, really well. And and it's one of those things that gets a tour. It's one of those things that I almost wish though that Cirque du Soleil had done it. Mm-hmm. Because could you imagine Spirited Away done by Cirque du Soleil? That would be cool as shit. Right? I'm not gonna lie. Right? But yeah, I don't know. I'm... I feel like they could add some of those elements. If they get some aerial artists and stuff in for the Broadway show, I don't, I, if in my mind, I'm like, they need to go balls to the wall with it, you know? But I don't feel like mm-hmm. they necessarily will, but they might do. I mean, Spider-Man on Broadway had, um, ow, I hit my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> had aerial effects. Oh my God. Okay. This is a, this is a story. When I was 14, I went to New York for uh, a couple different things to do with theatre. And we were going to go to a couple Broadway shows. And whilst we were there, I can't remember if it was the like first actor or if it, it... I don't think it was during a show. I think it was during a rehearsal. But Spider-Man fell from his harness during a... I think it was a rehearsal and was killed. Holy shit. On Broadway, yeah. When I was like 14. Part of me feels like I remember this. Yeah, I feel like it made national headlines. Yeah, like I that doesn't sound like brand new news to me. No, yeah. There's like a hidden recess in my brain that's like this sounds familiar. Mhm. But I don't know if it's because it made news or because you've talked about this on a stream. I can't I can't remember. I feel like it made national headlines. I I feel like it could have even made international headlines to be honest. Mhm. But yeah, I was I was in New York at that time working around Stage production, so it was big news to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that's a thing that has just been brought back into my mind about life that happened. That's really unfortunate, though. Yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, I hate to say it's a risk that these actors take, but it is a risk. They do know what they're signing up to. Unfortunately, it's a horrible, tragic accident. Obviously, shouldn't have happened with safety procedures and, and all that kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a, a weird moment in my life. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But then with the Spirited Away production, so looking at the poster for it, it has the Imperial Theater in Tokyo listed. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing is, is you and I need a trip to Tokyo in February or March of next year. Oh yeah. Uh, no, March, because then we could just stay for Cherry Blossoms. Uh, Hell yeah. I'm game. Yeah. Time to start saving up money now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I'm super excited because mm-hmm. I I just cannot wait. Speaking of things I'm super excited about, I talked about this during the first recording that died, so I'm a I'm a talk about it now. <laughs> so for the biggest piece of breaking news that has come out today, and one of the biggest pieces of news in recent anime history, White Fox has officially announced that The Devil Is a Part Timer is getting its second season after eight years. Eight years. So does White Fox sound familiar to you? Uh, here and there, yeah. ReZero. Yeah. Yep, that's where it is. In my brain. Mm-hmm. I- yep. <laughs> <laughs> I've opened that cabinet again. Cabinet? Yeah, where I store all of my files in my brain. Mm-hmm. And did you find the correct file? No. Or are you just filing it in random places I, again? I they're in, They were in alphabetical order, and then I changed them to the Dewey Decimal System, and now they're color-coded... But some of them are still alphabetical because they got a bit confused, so... That is the most accurate description of your brain I think I've ever heard. (laughs) 
Yeah, so The Devil's a Part-Timer. I've talked about it on here before, but it's the story of like a demon overlord of a different realm coming to Earth. He gets in Tokyo, and he basically loses his powers Mm -hmm. once he's here. So he has to get a job. But where does one get a job, you might ask? Oh, I don't know. Well, where most anime MCs get their jobs. He is a cashier for McDonald's, or Wickdonald's. Yeah, I was going to say, it's because never- Because McDonald's is copyright. Yeah, it's never McDonald's, is it? It's like whenever you see them in the background, it's like H&M, but it's not H&M, it's H&W, mm-hmm. or- Or M&H. Yeah, M&H, yeah. Except for, what was it, Weathering With You? That was like blatant McDonald's Big Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say that is the best looking Big Mac I've ever seen. Like that topped what you see in the commercials. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All all um fast food joints should just advertise with animated commercials. Honestly though, or at least get the food animated. Yeah. Like please just give me that. Oh, could you imagine though how popular that would be if like Wendy's or or McDonald's or whatever did a animated series of commercials where they like literally just animated them like anime and they just released animated commercials and then they did they could do so much with that they could do wrapping that was like anime style of all their burgers and and they could they could go ham with that. Well, Happy it's funny you boxes. say that because have you ever looked at Arby's social media accounts? No, not really. So they do anime related stuff with like their like cardboard boxes and whatnot. Yeah. Like they do anime characters and like they'll do scenes with like the curly fries and stuff. <laughs> they just do some really cool shit and they are the only fast food chain I've ever seen do that. And that's US advertising. That's not even Japanese advertising. That's done here for the weebs here in America. Oh, like um I love you, Colonel Sanders from KFC. Uh yes. Yeah. That needed to be more of a thing. That kind of slipped on the... I mean, it was huge in the gaming community, but it kind of, like, mm-hmm. slipped under the radar in mainstream, and I feel like they should have made Sexy Colonel Sanders a thing throughout their marketing. They should have. Like, right? Oh my god, yes. Like, just bring that into mainstream. Do you know, do you know how many downloads they could have got off of that? Right? Right? Now, granted, it was a free game, but I mean, still, like, that could have just drove traffic through the roof. Honestly, honestly, I feel like they could have changed all, because they've got the, the old dude on their packaging, I feel like they should have switched it for, like, just a month, like, April or something for April Fool's Day. Just switched mm-hmm. it to him and uh, changed all of their Colonel Sanders in all of their restaurants overnight to um, Sexy Colonel Sanders. Honestly, though, that would have been amazing. Right? And it's funny you bring that up, too, because I had a friend of mine ask me about that last night. She sent me a screenshot of it on Steam, and she's like, is this any good? And I was like, PTSD. (laughs) Because I know you and I lost our voices for like a solid two or three days from streaming that and doing all the voices. Yeah. That was not a fun time, but it was also a really fun time. It was so fun. It's such a stupid game. It's so stupid, but it's so fun. It's one of the best visual novels I've ever played. Oh, yeah. It was so well produced. The story was hilariously great. The talking dog as a teacher, you just, you can't beat it. Uh-huh. Yeah. The falling in yeah, love was... with a robot. It's, uh, it's so good. You, <laughs> If you haven't played it, I recommend you do play it. It's free on Steam. Just go download it and have a good time for a few hours. It's stupid and it's funny. Yeah, it was it was totally worth the two hours that we played it. And 
if you do voices throughout the whole thing, it makes it that much more fun, but be prepared to lose your voice and lose track of all the voices that you've done because there's a lot of characters. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things that you should uh, get together with a group of friends, get some drinks, and then all choose a character. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. We should totally record that and like put it up on the YouTube channel for this. Mm -hmm. That would be great. That would be fun. Although I don't know how our voices would appreciate a second go around. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I'm super excited for season two. We don't have an official release date yet, but honestly, I I just don't have enough good things to say about it because I really enjoyed the first season. It was such a cult classic Mm -hmm. here in the U.S. Like everyone that I know that watches anime has seen this show here in the States. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's very much like a Dead Man Wonderland situation. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if it was just because White Fox might have been a smaller studio at the time, so they couldn't have went on with a second season at the time. But then thanks to Bree Zero actually, or just absolutely blowing up like it did, kind of gave them the ability to kind of push on with other projects. Mm-hmm. Or if someone else was just like, fuck it, have at it, here's some funding. Well, that actually brings up an interesting point. Because previously in Japan... Even if animes got really big outside of Japan, it still wasn't feasible for them to continue making them if they weren't big in Japan. But now, because of Demon Slayer and other animes really becoming mainstream and popular outside of Japan, it is becoming feasible for them to make animes purely for a market outside of Japan. Well, my biggest counter-argument to that, though, is the manga has been going on for over 10 years. Yeah. They did the news drop this morning for the 10-year anniversary of the manga. Mm -hmm. So surely, if it wasn't that popular, the manga would have been canned by now. But the manga doesn't have to be as popular. A manga only has to be popular enough to sustain the manga, For a manga to sustain an anime, it has to be that much more popular, right? So, because, like, just producing a manga to keep itself going, you don't have to have incredible numbers, but to make it worth making an anime for, that manga has to have a lot of numbers, right? So it it doesn't have to, they're not the same. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But still, eight years worth? But if it's, like, if it has a, a small cult following... It doesn't need to have uh, a lot of numbers for them to keep going for eight years, you know? Loyal mm-hmm. fans, but small. Whenever I decide to put this on the schedule, whenever we get ready to cover it, I'll do a little bit more of a deep dive into the actual numbers for the anime. Mm-hmm. Just to see kind of what the deal is, how often the manga was coming out, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Because if it was like one of those weekly releases, like you get a chapter... Uh, or one of those monthly releases where you get a chapter a month, mm-hmm. then maybe, you know, I can kind of give it a pass for for them taking eight years to get enough content for a second season. Mm-hmm. I don't know. However, if it's a weekly release, I'm going to be like, what the fuck, guys? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, brings I'm, up questions for other excited. animes, though, then as well, that may possibly be revisited because they did well outside of Japan now, or like have done in the past and have become like, bigger outside and now it's become feasible for people in japan for companies in japan to make anime to make second seasons of them for audiences that aren't in japan even if they did poorly in japan it brings up that conversation as to whether that's something that studios are looking at doing mate stop trying to keep your pipe dream of getting a second season of all out alive it might happen okay (laughs) 
I was waiting. I was prepared just to have that one just ready to throw at you. Let me have it. You decided to bring it up. I was talking to a friend about it today, and with that being announced, and with Dead Men Wonderland being the just absolute cult following that it had, Mm -hmm. it made me think that maybe another studio might actually pick it up and reboot it. Yeah, I would be. Because if, say, MAPPA, what they've done with Attack on Titan, if they were to take that. And, like, use that sort of animation style and everything they did with it and throw that into Dead Man Wonderland? My god. Yeah, I would be very interested to know how they would do it. Because, in my opinion, mm-hmm. I would f- I feel like they would need to kind of remake the first season, almost. And that's what I meant by, like, an actual full reboot. Yeah. Like, go through, do a better job of following the manga, don't rush things. Yeah. And just have a blast with it. Because there's so much manga out for it that I just feel like the world could literally be their oyster with it. Yeah, I feel like if they if they redid it, they would have a much better time. Almost like a, a Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and non-Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist and a Brotherhood um, thing. Because, of course, mm-hmm. Alchemist just strayed from the, from the manga because it wasn't fully out yet, right? So mm-hmm. Yeah, it caught up to the manga and was like, okay. Let's swerve left. Yeah, we'll do our own thing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I feel like but, I feel like they could do something like that for sure. Oh yeah, but it definitely does give us hope for other series finally getting a second season. Although in your case, Madhouse did make all out. Just saying. Mm-hmm. But speaking of Attack on Titan, I have a bit of news about it. Although it's not news, news. However, it's news for you. Okay. Your boy's caught up. Oh. I cried my eyes out this week, Blue. Oh, no. I knew the spoiler. I knew it. I knew what episode it was going to happen. I knew everything. And it still ripped my heart out of my chest and stomped on it. Oh. I knew it was coming, but I wasn't prepared. And then, not only do they stomp on it, they rub it in for the rest of the fucking episode. Oh. And then the start of the next episode, like they are relentless about it and it hurts. I'm tearing up now thinking about it. It was just, uh, I'm hurt. One of those moments where you're going, yeah, but it's not real though, right? Somebody's going to wake up from a dream and it's going to be fine. And you're waiting for it and you're waiting for it. And you, and slowly as you're sitting there, you realize that this wake up moment is never going to happen. And, and it's really, that's the way that it is. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things to where I'm really excited for whenever we do decide to sit down and cover it. Mm-hmm. Because especially if we pull a Food Wars and do like a whole bunch of shit at once. Yeah. There's so much to talk about because my my brain is absolutely fried with everything that comes to light in the second half of season three and all the way through season four. Mm-hmm. Attack on Titan is deep as fuck. Like there's just so much stuff. That goes on and so many lines are finally being connected Mm -hmm. to where it's just like, what is this show, man? Mm -hmm. Because my goodness, I have, I don't even know. It's like, it's like watching world history unfold in a different manner, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Because it's very, like, I get really weird World War II vibes Yeah, watching it for reasons that are very much set in stone in season four. And that's not spoiling anything at all, but it's very, like, that's the vibes I'm getting. It was a really weird 
thing. And also, another reason I bring this up is to also segue into Given. So I watched Given after I finished episode 72 of Attack on Titan. (laughs) So I went from like 20 episodes of dark, broody, low-light scenery to colorful, light-hearted, weird... given and i that was a culture shock and a half yeah because <laughs> yep. i binged attack on titan and then i looked at given and i was like oh 59 minutes sure i'll watch this before i go to bed yeah and i was like uh, my brain it can't handle all of the colors and the story and that scene oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was it was a time i've had a time this week yeah yeah <laughs> Given the movie is, it's going to be an interesting talk. I'm excited to get into it. I'm very excited to get into it. So shall we, shall we just go ahead and get Let's into it? Let's do it. All right. So background info, literally the same as the, whenever we covered the first 11 episodes of the series. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't checked out that episode, feel free to go back and check that out. It's available on our website, Spotify, YouTube, all that fun stuff, because this is Literally a direct continuation of the first season. Yeah, you. Although instead of it focusing on our two main characters, it focuses on the other two members of the band. Yes. Um, I don't feel like you'll know what's going on if you haven't watched the series first. So make sure you watch that first before you watch this. I will put a content warning on this uh, movie, though a trigger warning for sexual assault. And um, yeah, just very adult themes. Very. Like, this adult is themes. very much. Because Blue and I kind of talked about this last night, Mm -hmm. and whereas the first season is still dark, but it's dealing with, like, high schoolers, so it's very kind of lighthearted darkness, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's dealing with mature themes, but themes that, like, the way that it's done is, the way that they've done the show is really well done. I really commend them for this, because they've written the show and produced the show in the age range of the characters that they're featuring. So Mm -hmm. for the series, it's mainly featuring two, what, 16, 17 year olds? Yes. So even though it's dealing with dark themes that even adults would find really, really hard to deal with, it expresses them and shows the way of dealing with them as being dealt with by a teenager. So everything is set up in the world of a teenager dealing with these dark themes. Whereas in this mm-hmm. case, we're looking at 22-year-olds, you know? Yeah, we're looking at full-fledged adults who are dealing with, like, relationship and emotional trauma. So it's a different kind of trauma. And yet it was also handled in a more adult manner. Yes. Versus it being handled in or through the eyes of a teenager. Yeah, so it is, it's shown through the eyes of an adult. So I do feel like if you watched the first season... And you're expecting it to be along the same lines. It's not. It is more adult. But the content isn't crazy more adult. It's just the way that it's expressed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, yeah, their content is more adult because of the way that it's expressed. But, like, it doesn't get any any darker. I feel like it's on the same level of dark. It's just that it's shown from an adult's perspective. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, because this is very... Or it's the same level of dark, but it's on different topics. Yeah. And also, it's shown in a different way. Yeah. So, definitely content warning for for this movie. Uh, short film, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> movie? Short film? Um, 
it's actually your typical anime film length. Oh, yeah. Most anime films are about, about an hour that. long, mm-hmm. unless it's like larger budget. Like I think Demon Slayer might be like an hour and a half. Runtime Violet Evergarden might be like an hour and fifteen, hour and a half, something like that. Yeah, it's on the short. But it's very side, standard, like yeah, smaller, low budget, or like Pokemon mm-hmm. length. Film. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of those type yeah. scenarios. Yeah, in my mind, it's on the shorter side because I'm used to them being over an hour. But I well, that's because I show you like Miyazaki and fucking Shinkai films. <laughs> They're like two hour masterpieces. That is true. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't feel like I mean it's double the length of an episode, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was much more. Like, this is much more stomachable than the 11 episodes prior, in my opinion. Yeah. But, yeah, with it being the length of three episodes without the OPs and EDs, it just, with the world being established and all the characters established and everything else, it it just felt like everything flowed really well together. Like, the pacing wasn't off at all. Like, everything just flowed seamlessly from where season one left off, and we... We're just able to kind of sit back and just pay attention to everything that was actually going on this time. Yeah. Yeah. So overall view of both the series and the movie is that it is based around this band, these four members of a pop rock band. Uh, yeah, I guess. I feel like. Like anime rock group. Anime rock group. If that makes yeah. sense. Like your rock anime OPs. It's one of those. Yeah. Like, either of the songs that have been the staples of the main show or the film mm-hmm. could easily be anime OPs. Yeah. And uh, it is based around these four four characters. The series, as we previously mentioned, is based around the two younger characters who are still in high school. And this movie is featuring around the two older characters who are in university. <clears throat> and um, it's about them, their relationships with each other. It is a BL series, so it is about... Yeah, gay relationships within the band, and um, uh, it's yeah, it's just a, it's kind of a slice of life band progression. Them finding their feet, young adults coming of age, romance kind of thing, basically. Essentially, give or take. And and heavily featured around band and their music and songwriting and expressing themselves through their music. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically what the main series is. This movie specifically features around the two oldest, as I mentioned previously, um, and their relationship dynamic, along with a third party, and the two younger band members kind of watching them. Like, they obviously look up to them a lot, and watching them and seeing them go through all of this, and it's uh, the older members, their dynamic, and then the two younger members trying to figure out how they feel about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the general. Okay. That's the general overall overview. So, spoiler chicken hat time. Yes, put those chicken hats on because we are going to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, how are your opinions on Akihiko now? Uh, how do you feel about him? Because I have this huge contradictory side of my brain that's like not sure. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's so... My brain. Yeah, okay, so I guess we should explain what we're going on about. Yeah, because you see you see shades of this side in this character in the regular series. 
But it's just, it's so blatant in the film. Like, everything is just full, nonstop. And granted, it leads to a lot of growth out of this. But it's it's like a Violet Evergarden situation, you know? That one bit kind of taints everything. It does. It really does. So, um... Uh, Akiko is a young man who has been in love with his roommate and ex-boyfriend Murata for many years since high school. And Murata is kind of playing him, I guess, in a way. Uh, yeah, 100%, because he only... It's one of those relationship dynamics of Akihiko is, like, head over heels for... Murata, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So he's head over heels for him, and Murata knows this. Yeah. But he's also a traveling musician. Like, he travels all over Japan and all over the world with the orchestra, and he plays the violin. Yeah, he's a soloist, so big deal. Yeah, so he... Akihiko's head over heels for him, he knows it, So, but he's only around whenever... He returns. Or he only has Akihiko around whenever he returns, but Akihiko also lives in his apartment with him. Yeah. So it's one of those type of And dynamics. they're broken up. Yeah, like like Murata broke up with Akihiko because he said that they were like consuming each other. It was just basically a really toxic environment for both of them while they mm-hmm. were dating. So Murata breaks up with him, but then he's living with him because uh, Akihiko is looking after the apartment while Murata is traveling. Then so Akihiko is like taking that all out on going out and partying it up basically and working all these jobs and and not playing the violin anymore because he's also a classical musician mm-hmm. and not playing the violin anymore and rebelling and and just putting himself in all of these really toxic situations because of it and then on the counter side of it you've got Haruki who is the other band member who is completely in love with Akihiko who he met through university and then they formed this band together with the two younger members and um, they, like, he felt completely in love with him, and Akihiko knows that Haruki is in love with him, and does things to kind of not squash it, or, like... Like, he doesn't squash it, but at the same time, he doesn't, like, really take advantage of it either. No. Because he knows it, and he doesn't want to hurt Haruki. So instead of trying to pursue him... Because he doesn't want to ruin what they have, he goes after women, I guess, to try to fill the void and also keep his mind off of Murata. Yeah, and uh, and he keeps everything away from, from Haruki. Haruki knows nothing. Like, he, he knew that he was kind of wild, and then it seems like he settled down. And so Haruki's like, oh, yeah, he's settled down now. He's, like, doing his studies, and he's with the band, and the band was good for him and everything. Whereas Akihiko hadn't actually. He had just hidden it from him. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, Mafu, uh, our Sato, our, one of our younger members, finds out about all of this. And he is trying to write a song for the band, because he wants to express himself more and go into some writing more. And he's kind of like a songwriting genius, a musical genius. Mm-hmm. He just came to it late in life. And they have this this band competition that they're going to, where if they compete in this competition and they keep progressing through the levels, there's a chance that they can win a slot on stage during a festival where there are big headlining acts. Mm-hmm. And so it could be like a breakthrough for them. So they're, they're trying to like write a new song so they can continue through this competition 
to hopefully win to progress their band more. And can we talk about how adorable Matthew is in this? He is so freaking cute. And the stupid faces that he makes her back. I know. Like his stupid, clueless look where they just completely take out the pupil out of his eyes and he just blinks. Yep. Like, oh my God, it's back. And I loved it. Because again, it was one of those, like coming off Attack on Titan and then watching this and how it's both lighthearted and dark at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like the only thing that came to my mind while I was watching it was the power of love is bullshit. The the power of swords and violence on the other hand. (laughs) But yeah, it was like so he's cute. adorable. It's it's a really weird dynamic watching this and everything that kind of happens at the same time because it it handles everything that it deals with like not like the word that comes to mind is dignity, but I don't think that's the right word. But it handles everything well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, one thing that I really really enjoyed during this film were those moments where you got to see Uenoyama and Mafuyu, who we saw get together in the series, you get to see them being really, like, flustered about hugging or, like, holding hands and stuff because they're still in high school and they're cute and adorable. And then the direct contrast between that and the explicit sexual nature of the adult relationship and dynamics it's such a striking contrast mm-hmm. that is so realistic. Yeah, because I was I was talking to Blue about this, but as I was watching the film, that one particular scene comes on. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Cause because I've it's... never I've never seen anything like that in anime. But it's, it's... I've seen so much anime, so mm-hmm. much romance. Yeah. From, like, all levels of life in these shows, from high schoolers to adults. And yeah. never have I seen anything like that. It's shocking, my brain, it? It's shocking. My brain melted. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to take this. Like, I've never been so confused. <laughs> but the thing about it is, is I was thinking about after, and I was thinking, yeah, but Game of Thrones, though. Yeah, but that's HBO. I know, but, like, that's the thing, though. Anime is a huge genre that mm-hmm. isn't just, like, there's... Game of Thrones is a TV series. The Office is also a TV series. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many different versions of TV series. There's so many different versions of anime. So, obviously, there are gonna be some that are featuring a lot more adult content. I don't know. It was. Just, it is very shocking because it's something that's... I mean, it's BL. So, yes, you're gonna have those elements to it. Because I feel like in the manga, it's probably gonna be way more explicit. I haven't read it, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. And honestly, one of my really good friends, she reads a lot of like BL and Yaoi and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe she's more aware of stuff like that. So it's one of those things where I'd have to ask if it's more of a commonplace, whether it be in the manga or in those types of shows in general. But I've seen a wide range of anime and never have I seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. I've watched a few other BL animes before and i've never seen anything quite like that but i think it also is so shocking because of the nature of the scene Mm -hmm. because it's it's adult but it's also sexual assault Mm -hmm. yeah i've never i've never seen something so close to like what you would see in real life or like even in like films and shows in real life portrayed like that yeah 
Like it was one of those things to where you can imagine the scene like clearly playing out in real life. And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. I, I don't know whether or not I find it problematic because of the way that it's handled afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's they handle it in such a way to where it kind like, of gets, cleared it in my mind. Yeah. And because of how everything worked out, like the film and even the show, the way that they handle things, they handle these topics in such... Uh... I think what I find so difficult about the situation, because, okay, so in case you don't know... Akihiko and Haruki are in Haruki's apartment. Akihiko has nowhere else to go. He's very emotionally distressed and takes that out on Haruki by sexually assaulting him. But after the act, Haruki then says, it's okay, it's basically consensual because I love you and you know that. Which is, that's, (sighs) it's a very tender moment between the both of them because Haruki is begging Akihiko to explain his thought process and to open up to him and to not have all of this like weight and stuff on himself but like it's a really difficult situation because I don't want to be like well Haruki should have thrown him off and all this crazy stuff because you don't know how you're going to react in those situations and if you do really care for a person like Haruki does there is a chance that that is how you're going to act in that kind of situation and you are going to just kind of brush off something that intense you know, and not only that, but it's kind of like it's implied throughout the first season that they've hooked up before. Yeah. Or maybe they did actually hook up in the first season. I can't remember. Because uh, part of didn't... me feels like I remember them doing that, but uh, also that could just be my brain being frazzled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they actually did, but I think it, there is definitely implications that there is emotion there. Mm-hmm. And, um... and so it's just. I don't know. It's such an awkward... Yeah, because in my mind, I'm like, well, you're showing this to people, so I want them to be like, okay, well, this isn't okay, right? But also, Mm. you're showing this to people, and somebody might have reacted that same way in that situation, and I don't want to be like, well, you should have not, you know? Because it's, again, it's real. It's really real, and that's why it's so difficult, because you want it to be black and white, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And skip ahead, like, maybe 45 seconds to a minute if you don't want, like, an end-of-film spoiler. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the result would be different if the film did not work out the way that it did in the end. Agreed. Because everything worked out well and all that stuff, so there is... So it's not like there's ramifications for this scene taking place. No. But it's it's just the way that it was... And Haruki, portrayed and done. Yeah. And Haruki even states himself that it's not that that he was upset about. It's the emotional closure that Akihiko had that he was upset about. Yeah, you because know? Akihiko, even after doing that, he still wouldn't, like, open up about what was bothering him. Yeah, and that's what had upset Haruki more than anything. And then, mm. so then when he does eventually then express himself and and open up to him and and allow that to happen and make really good positive changes in his life that it allows Haruki to yeah get over that moment because of that mm-hmm. but yeah it does just it's it's so complicated it's very complicated it's problematic and it's certainly a shock to see yeah. so it's one of those things of Whenever it actually comes to rating the film, I don't... This is one of those weird things where I don't feel like I can rate it. 
I agree. Because it handles it. Ah, it's so confusing. It's one of those things where it's like you don't want to... You don't know how to feel about it. You don't know how to feel about that situation because... Yeah, because it's it's just... The only word that comes to mind is real because it's definitely something that has or... Yeah, like has happened to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those, can you... It's a Violet Evergarden situation. Like, you can't rate it just because of, like, how do you rate something like that? Yeah. But, okay. <laughs> so, after that happens, then you have Murata and Akihiko. Murata then brings a guy back to their apartment. And Akihiko, or I think that might be the, the catalyst to the previous situation, uh, Sees that? No, because they hadn't got into a fight over it. Okay. Because of that, the fight happens, and then after that, Akihiko comes to stay with Haruki after. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so Haruki and Akihiko end up living together because he has nowhere else to go, because he doesn't want to be at Murata's house, because he's there, and that whole situation is very toxic. Mm-hmm. And... He's also trying to figure out whether or not he wants to, what he wants to do with his violin, what he wants to do with his music. And at the same time, Haruki has also been invited to play for his ex-girlfriend's band because they need a bassist to like fill in. And while that's all happening, you've got your two high school students watching this whole situation, but only hearing bits and pieces Mm -hmm. and making music based on it. Specifically, Sato is the one who's writing the lyrics, but we all know that Urinoyama has had a huge part in helping him make it, because, yeah, he does most of the actual music stuff, although we did get to see that Sato had, like, a... he is learning how to write actual music, compose as well, which is cool. Mm, because he... Matthew did the melody by himself, mm-hmm. but also, a lot of the music was also influenced between what was going on between... Akihiko and Murata, because at Murata's violin concert at the beginning, that mm-hmm. was whenever Matthew was like, oh shit, emotions can be portrayed through music. And so he spends a lot of time with Murata trying to learn how to write songs and get emotions across in the lyrics as well. Yeah, it was a really, it was the Tchaikovsky violin concerto, and it's one of my favorites. And did you get a laugh whenever Matthew was like bullshitting the lyrics and it like he came up with a K-On song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did as well. And then Uenoyama was like, lyrics aren't final. Lyrics aren't final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then so as it progresses, it's about Murata trying to figure out how he's gonna live without his comfort blanket that he has in Akihiko. Because, like, he broke up with them a long time ago. They're not together, but he returns to Akihiko, and Akihiko has ended up becoming, like, a, a home plate for him, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and he knows that their relationship is toxic. He knows that he's hurting Akihiko by being around him. But he can't bear to let him go, because he doesn't feel like he's going to be okay without him. Mm-hmm. So then it's about them having this concert, Sato singing his song, where he basically is singing to Murata being like, hey, it's all, it's going to be okay when he lets you mm-hmm. go. And it's also Murata in the audience, then seeing Haruki and seeing Akihiko and seeing the fact that Haruki is the one that has made Akihiko love music again, because he went through this huge thing of like despising music. 
And then they have this concert and then nothing kind of happens for a few months until spring, which is at the very end of the film, where Haruki thinks that Akihiko wants nothing to do with him. He thinks that he's gone back to Murata. He thinks that like he's been coming to practices all the time and he hasn't really been talking to him very much. And, you know, it's just like things kind of reset a little bit, but also changed in a way. And he started playing the violin a lot more. And so Haruki's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, he's he's back to play the violin. So he's back with Murata and, you know, I'm just kind of left here back at square one. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that that's not the case. Da, 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 da. Together. Mm-hmm. It was, I don't know, like it was a heartwarming moment seeing Akihiko apologize to Haruki the way that he did. And, but also at the same time, ask him out. Yeah. I was like, that's so much happening at one time. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And it was, it, so basically, uh, so Akihiko had gone back to violin, he'd gone back to university, he'd quit all of his part-time jobs, he went back to university, he started playing the violin a lot more, he was practicing all of uh, his drums, and because Akihiko's an incredible musician, he plays guitar, bass, drums, and classical violin. And uh, also, as well throughout this whole film, you're seeing Haruki with a huge level of self-esteem issues, Mm -hmm. which is relatable laugh. (laughs) Yeah, because he views everyone else around him as these geniuses. Mm -hmm. But it was also Akihiko pointing it out to where a band of four geniuses will never last. Yeah. Because if everyone sees themselves as the best, then there's nowhere to go and it's going to be nothing but a bunch of infighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's true because Sato, they didn't know, is a musical genius, but he's quickly becoming one. Unoyama was established as a guitar genius from the very first episode of the series. And I want more of him being good at guitar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because he's kind of been put on pause a little bit, and I want more of him. Yeah, 100%. Although, it's like you and I talked about, because of how the film went with it establishing the relationship between Haruki and Akihiko and how the season was about developing the relationship between Matthew and Uenoyama. Yeah. I just can't wait to see how the dynamic is going to grow between the bunch going forward. Mm -hmm. Because I think we're probably in for a lot of hilarious drama. Yeah, hopefully there's, that's one thing I'm really pleased that the film kept is that level of comedy. Mm -hmm. The, the moments of, blank faces and just like are you kidding me looks are still throughout this film and they're one of my favorite Mm -hmm. parts of the series like it's on dr stone levels of it breaks everything up perfectly 100 percent. yeah Yeah, i don't know i really enjoyed the film watching it obviously that is a huge moment in the film but it is also the turning point of the film Mm -hmm. so yeah (laughs) but yeah i'm I'm just excited to see where it goes from here. I'm excited to see where it goes from here as well. I'm excited to know if they're going to keep up this more adult way of producing everything through, like, the adult size, or if they're going to go back. I don't think they can go back, really, after this. I feel like they can, depending on the story they're telling at the time. Yeah, I would like to see kind of a combination of both, where Mm -hmm. you get to see moments from each side of the coin, because there were a couple of those moments throughout this film that I really loved where you get to see the direct contrast. And if we can get a whole season of the striking contrast between teenage romance and 20-year-old romance, 
I don't know. I think it would. I think it would make a really interesting dynamic. And I think it definitely will lead to some hilarious dynamics, especially the culture shock between the teenagers and the adults, mm-hmm. because the teenagers are in for a ride, considering they have the typical high school rom com romance. Mm-hmm. Of, like, holding hands is, like, the epitome of relationships. <laughs> and then you have the adults. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not like the teenagers aren't still teenagers, obviously. Like, shit's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, but it's... It is... They it's still like a, get giddy about that kind of stuff. And there's that innocence, that childlike, you know, level of excitement that that isn't expressed in the adults. Yeah, and, like, level of embarrassment as well. Again, mm-hmm. it's like your stereotypical rom-com romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously so, throughout this film, we also got to see them get approached. They didn't end up winning the competition for the band, but they did get approached by a few, it was stated, guys from labels. So mm-hmm. soon we may be seeing them producing music, m- music, music <laughs> on a bigger scale. So instead of it being like the dark adult themes that we've dealt with so far, I wonder if it's going to go down a path of like the Fuka situation because you remember where fuka went in the manga Mm -hmm. so i wonder if it's going to be like a shitty type of scenario that kind of went down with that Uh, just to kind of keep the more like adult kind of down themes kind of going a little bit i am because i don't know where else they could go with because they can't go back to the stuff that's been dealt with already well there's an element an element of discrimination that haven't hasn't yet been faced mm-hmm. but i don't know if they will do because i don't believe that that's a theme that often appears throughout bl series is yeah because i feel like that would just be a little blatant slap in the face at this point mm. i feel like it could be i don't know they, there's the finance issue <laughs> there's there's i i don't know i don't really know where it could go i feel like it if they're going to continue along this path of shit happens in life, shit's going to happen in life. <laughs> I just don't know what shit, you know? Oh, are we going to get the stereotypical they both suck at school so they can't do shit because they're taking summer classes? <laughs> are we going to get that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anime Tropes 101. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting show. If you haven't watched a BL before, I think it's a decent one to watch. It is a, if you can deal with the dark themes of suicide in the original series. Yeah. And like the emotional trauma that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Then it's a good BL to ease yourself into with. Mm-hmm. Because it was my first BL and I'm used to like suicidal themes because of other animes that I've watched prior. Mm-hmm. So it didn't affect me. Mm-hmm. So it was a good introduction to me. So as long as you can deal with the dark themes, then I can highly recommend it as like an entry BL anime. Yeah, I am interested to see where it goes in the future. And I'm curious about the manga as to how explicit that is, because in my general findings, mangas are more explicit just in general than anime. Yeah, because they can get away with a lot more because they're not shown on television. Yeah, so I have no clue what that manga contains. 
Neither do I, and also, not gonna lie, it's not one of the shows to where I would care to read the manga either. Yeah, I would only care if they left it on a huge cliffhanger, but I feel quite satisfied after watching that film. Yeah, it's not like one of those, like how the final episode of the first core of ReZero's second season, Mm -hmm. or with how Dr. Stone has done leading up to where it's at or anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm satisfied with where it ended to where I definitely don't feel the need to go pursue it any further. And then whenever we get a second season, inevitably, then, you know, I'll watch that whenever it comes out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a good film. That's all I got. Yeah. It was a good film. But it's, again, it's back to what we talked about earlier. I can't rate it. No, I, I don't feel comfortable rating it either. I was mulling over the numbers in my head and I was like, yeah, but depending on how I finally settle on that specific scene... Because I feel like it's something I'm going to have to mull over, you know? If that scene wasn't there, I'd give it an eight. Yeah. If we don't think But because of that that scene, yeah, if that scene were taken completely out of the film, I'd give it an eight. I feel comfortable with an eight as well with that, yeah. Subtraction. Actually, you know what? I'm going to subtract half a point because the song in this season wasn't as good as the first season. Yeah. I, I didn't feel as emotionally heart-tugged as I did with the one in the first season. I felt it kind of plateaued a little bit. I mean, not really for me, because the song definitely suited the story that the movie was trying to tell. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't, there just wasn't the emotional connection or the story that needed to be told like the one in the first season. Because the first season was Matthew needing to let go. Yeah. And so that song was a goodbye, and it was just emotionally heart-tugging, I cried, and just everything that kind of followed up with it. Whereas this one, it told the story that it needed to tell, it just wasn't as good of a song. And it also, just musically-wise, wasn't as good of a song either, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I can agree with that. Seven and a half, then. Yeah. Cool. So... You can find the absolutely lovely Blue Lavender on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Blue Lavender. She's also on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Lavender STM. If you like artwork, if you like life updates and everything else, you can find her on those things. She also has a YouTube and TikTok. If you like art videos at Blue Lavender, you can find her on all of those thingies. Yeah, and if you like Brad and you want to know more about him, you can find him on Instagram at Brad Carter Gaming and Twitch at Brad Carter Gaming there as well. He's nice and easy. Same on everything. And uh, we also have a website where we have all of our previously archived episodes, also have links to the fun projects that we've both been working on, including all of our voice acting stuff, production stuff, some uh, artwork, friends of the podcast, buying the scenes, all that kind of stuff is on the website. So feel free to check that out, along with the direct links to your favorite listening platform. We also have a YouTube channel with all of our previously archived episodes on there as well. So if you're a YouTube listener, you can just go onto YouTube click on that and jump in those comments and let us know your thoughts and opinions on the shows that we cover here on the shows and movies because we love hearing from you guys we often ask questions during these episodes and we love to hear your opinions in those comment sections as well and if you're not a youtube listener you can feel free to hit us up in those dms on instagram and twitter at bnb anime on both we also have an instagram and twitter to where if you like memes yeah. You can you can go find memes. Also post like breaking news like with the Devil's a part timer. Mm-hmm. 
So typically, if you want to stay up to date with big breaking news like that, you'll find that on there before we discuss it on here. And podcast it's like I was talking about well. before the, yeah, we post podcast updates. If you like the thumbnails, but you aren't a YouTube listener, you can check those out on there because I do like to post those because they are phenomenal. It's one of my favorite things that we upload mm-hmm. for any of our stuff just because it's very well done. A friend of the podcast does them so good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can find those at BNB Anime on everything we're we're really simple. Really simple. BNB anime all over the place. Is that everything? That's everything. All right. So thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it. Next week, Tamayomi, the baseball girls. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I've already started it. It's a good time. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's definitely, it's really interesting where they're going. It, they haven't got into like magical sports abilities. Yet, okay. I hope they don't, because okay. <laughs> I think it's going to defeat the whole purpose of the anime. It's just very slice of lifey. It's the colors are nice. It's very easy on the eyes, especially as much dark and brooding as Attack on Titan as I've watched. <laughs> yeah. So it is. It's like given. It was a really nice change of pace mm-hmm. to sit down and watch after everything else mm-hmm. that I've watched. So I'm excited to get into it next week. Nice. Outside of that, we'll catch y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.